Well, what a weekend we had. Fabulous and plenty of action to get stuck into. In fact, so much action this week. So welcome to Cheltenham Better Week 10. Can you Adam and Eve it? Um, I would like to introduce our wonderful panel, Daryl Carter. We've got Kevin Blake and this week's guest, Tom Malone. Tom, lovely to see you. How are you? Yeah, great fun. Thank you very much. Now, Tom, I think you're a pretty modest guy. Um, certainly not one to blow, not one to play your own okay. <laughs> not one to blow your own trumpet. So I'm gonna blow your trumpet. Is that all right? Right. Put your hand down, Blake, will you please? This this is what I'm gonna say. This is what I'm gonna say. Oh brilliant. No, I was looking at some of your Good stats. Some of your stats are ridiculous. Your grade one, group one winners, 41. Black type winners, 206. Cheltenham Festival winners, 19. Grand National winners, one. But amazing how you source thousands of these wonderful thoroughbreds and you've just gone from Champion Chase to Grand National to Royal Ascot. So credit to you, amazing. And I heard from Little Dicky Bird that actually last year, when you were very kindly on the show, you put up uh, Captain Teague at 40 to 1. He's a, he was always a good horse. It was he'd have been a ten to one shot for the race had he got to run in Newbury in the listed bumper, uh, but the ground was too quick, so it was buying time really. Uh, look at lacked a little bit of experience. He may not have beaten the winner anyway, but he's he's shown he's a Grade One winner this year, so he's uh, he was well up to it. Like it, very very nice, and our wonderful Daryl Carter. Daryl, I believe also that you have got your coaching Carter episode two, which goes live today. So make sure to all your viewers, you absolutely firmly get that on your list to watch. So you were at Oaksy House, were you, Daryl? You're spending time with the staff and jockeys. Yeah, spending time with some staff and jockeys. Uh, some amazing stories, powerful, hard hitting stories that come out of that place. It's, it's definitely well worth a watch. Um, I also absolutely disgraced myself when they put me through the return to riding um, in the gym. Uh, so, yeah, it's got a little bit of laughter um, at my expense. But the real like underlining stories is really what these jockeys go through and their, their road back from rehabilitation back to the saddle. And uh, donations, all donations to not just Oaksy House, there are a couple of units that the Injured Jockey Fund have and the Irish Injured Jockeys fund um are, are so needed you know they they rely solely on horse racing horse racing relies on itself in this particular instance um so look just remarkable stories go and check it out it was great fun to do and yeah i'm, I'm buzzing uh, the way it's cut it's come out today and, and how they've edited it it looks it looks tremendous yeah i really look forward to seeing it and mr blake how are you my dear that's your grand yeah yeah not about her am it um falls dropping all over the place at the minute so <laughs> Um, the makes for some good scenery out the window. I'm looking at a mare and foal here, acting the Mickey out the window here in front of me. So it's not a oh, nice time of year. Do you get attached yeah, to him, Kev? Do you? Do you get attached to this? Like, that uh, but you can't, you can't, you can't get too attached. You look after them as well as you can, but you know they're going to be, they're going to be going at some stage. So uh, hard not, hard less, not to. You'll, with get, you'll get less attached to him about 19 months time when one's making 180 grand. He'd be off with you, baby. And Tom Malone just keeps sticking his hand up. <laughs> <laughs> no i don't like it when you see them running a mickey around the fields because you think ah don't slip don't do anything my god just look after yourself yeah, the, the, the no. old mechanics aren't great at the minute when they're when they're, when they're two days old no. <laughs> as, kevin, as kevin says looking out the window i have four youngsters yearlings and two-year-olds out there oh, god. and i put i put native river out with them to look after them He's the biggest idiot of the lot of them. 
and he's winding them up and I'm just looking out the window thinking get that horse in oh, well. <laughs> 13 years ago this is the year then that's awesome to hear that, Tom, because, yes, I can imagine. Um, so like I already alluded to at the top of the show, what a weekend we had. So plenty to get stuck into. So without further ado, we'll kick off with our novice hurdlers section. I'm going to give you the market moves all found on the Betfair Sportsbook. And you lads are going to delve into the real hotspot talking points of the horses. Um, the big topics, really. So the novice hurdlers, um, Mirazor West, 14 to 1 for the Supreme, still unchanged. On the Betfair Sportsbook, Captain Cody fifty to one into twenty five to one for the Barring Bingham, Jericho de Rapine five to one out to eight to one for the Supreme, the lovely Jade Grugy eight to one into three to one, uh, of course the mares, and um, we've got Giddy Park seven to one out to nine to one again for Barring Bingham, and twenty five to one into fourteen to one for the Albert Bartlett. I saw Enos unchanged at four to one. Ooh, so, novice hurdlers, we've whizzed through those prices. I reckon we kick off, and Daryl, kick off with you, really, on Jericho de Rapine to start us off. Yeah, look, this is a horse that was a big, big talking horse at the start of the season. Um, he was he was moving in the anti-post markets into for sort of towards favouritism before he made his Newbury um, debut. Look, Nicky Henderson said at the time, I hope the anti-post price are right about him because I've got 10 more like him at home. Now, everyone sort of brushed that off as Nicky playing him under the radar a little bit. But as it transpires, he may well have 10 more, more of him at home because he hasn't done anything to suggest that he should be as close in the top of the market at the Supreme as he has. Now, I'll, I'll put him up as a, as a 12 to 1 shot for the Supreme. Um, so I'm, I'm not talking, you know, by missing the price or anything like that. Um, it's just basically on the bare facts. He's been involved in three slowly run races. He didn't look comfortable at Doncaster despite the very slow gallop. I mean, it might have been the ground, the quickest ground that he'd run on that, that that saw him sort of to ill effect, but he was hanging to the left. I think if it wasn't for Fiercely Proud, the eventual third, he probably would have hung his chance away off the track. He's got down and dirty, which is a good attribute to have. But look, I, when we're looking for Cheltenham Festival winners, we're looking for top, top class horses, right? We are like we'll touch on Sajino a bit later, but that's the wow factor that that you that you see at Cheltenham, right? That's that's a Cheltenham Festival winner, for example. Now, this horse for me is is not even run above sort of one thirty two, one thirty three. You're looking at for a supreme winner, you want to be running one fifty plus, one fifty five. I see you in the first two in the last ten years. He's not run beyond one thirty two yet, so that's that's nearly twenty pounds he's got to find. That sort of improvement doesn't just turn up in the festival because he gets a stronger run race or or a slightly softer ground. You know that the win the winning the Cheltenham Festival winners the winning is done before the Cheltenham Festival in most cases. You don't tend to see horses improve twenty pounds at the festival, and he is now going to go straight to the festival. So. And you back a horse that's only run up to sort of a mark of 133, even in a, even in like a below par year that this may well be, knowing that he's got so much improvement to find to, to actually win the race. I just, I'm very concerned about him now. I was expecting a big performance at Doncaster on Saturday. Mark Walsh was on him. He would have got the line in with him and mystical power. I was very, very disappointed. The two horses behind him, I mean, it was only five lengths back to the, to the fourth, the two horses behind him only bought in low 120s form into the race. I mean, you look at fiercely proud of Ben Paulins, for example, would he even hold him in the same regard as he does his other horse, tell her the name who he thinks is spectacular. I don't think he would. I, don't th I think there'd be stratospheres apart. So 
Look, it's a muddling picture. I think a lot of people at the moment are talking through their anti-post dockets. And in reality, in anti-post betting, it's about building a book. It's not necessarily about backing one winner at a big price. And I think you need to be more realistic to those people that have backed them at a big price and and have just got their blinkers on with him. Because at the moment, we haven't seen nowhere near enough to suggest that he could win a Supreme. Okay, and and Tom, like um, Daryl's pointed out, all the key facts there, you know, was slowly weighed. It kind of turned into something of a little bit of sprint at Donny. His, his jumping wasn't fantastic, but I suppose the attitude was good. He's got a willing attitude. Yeah, that's, listen, exactly what he has, a willing attitude. But uh, like Daryl said, he has not put up a performance that gets him into the first three in the Supreme Novice for me. Um, like, his run style is definitely behind the bridle. Um but good horses don't hit flat spots like he did on his mm. first couple of stars. Now, I gave him everything. I said, oh, you know, you're a young horse, you're a baby, you'll get there, maybe the bigger occasion and a stronger run race. But he's down to four and five to one for a race of the Supreme Novice. Now, I might be very, I might be shot on this. I think it's very wide open. And the favourite, as much as uh, it bolted up on his last start, uh, if you look back to the stats of Galileo jumping horses, and the one thing it says lacks fluency, they very rarely jump. They're not fluent, good jumpers, uh, uh, Galileos. Not many of them. I think the last real good one, if I'm right, was Celestial Halo. And that's 15 years ago. I've been, I've bought plenty of them since. I have I have paid the money, worn the T-shirt, and found out that they don't overly like jumping. And I think it was Joseph O'Brien that said it. You might be able to confirm this one, Kev. He said, Ask a Galileo to they'll gallop through a wall. Just don't ask him to jump it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's couldn't, lovely. Couldn't, I love that. Couldn't confirm or deny that one. Well, whatever. <laughs> that, that statement was definitely flowing around. Uh, <laughs> the horse is gone, so we're not dubbing the horse. So he was a fantastic flat champion, but I wouldn't be too keen on his jumping horses now for at uh, this level. I Kev. Yeah, like like I think we I had a stat there a few weeks ago about on this subject, Tom and like Galileo one of the greatest sire of middle distance horses of all time, like heaps and heaps and heaps of them went jumping. And I think he only ever had three that broke through the, the 150 barrier. Um, Celestial Halo, did you mention Super Sunday and Windsor Park? Um, so yeah, that that's something I did raise about him now. But um, to, to get back to Jericho, I, I'd echo a lot of what there. So I wouldn't be quite as down. Um, I was hoping for more here. I think it is... His opportunity to show more was a little bit limited by the pace of the race. It was steadily run again as his previous start was. Um, and look, the last 10 strides, he's he's well on top of them. But you, you want more. If you're going to be at a single figure price for the Supreme, um, you need to be putting up a bigger number than this. And the fact that he didn't do it here won't mean that he can't do it. Um, but, you know, everything has its price. And. You'd act, ironically, you'd actually be delighted if you were bringing him on with a view to a big handicap hurdle because, you know, he probably hasn't improved on 132 here to win a grade two. And um, But they don't seem to be thinking that way with this lad. No. Um, so, do, we, yeah. do we know if Ballyburn goes for the two-mile or the two-six at the weekend? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Willie doesn't know yet, Tom. <laughs> it's actually... If that horse turned up in the Supreme Novice, I would fancy him strongly. Yeah, I think he was shorter as well. He's, he's now he's a very, very talented animal. He is now. He's as good. I know he's, I know he's, he got beat over two miles, but he got beat by Firefox. And I think at the time, Willie's were not needing to run, but they were sharpening up for it. Yeah. Man alive. I know it was the distance in Leopard Sound, but at any stage, he could have done that. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I know he beat and also ran, but he also ran one six length yesterday. 
Clutus mm. Pula down in Nace. So I, 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 that's as good a horse as I've seen in Ireland as the novices this year. Yeah, and he'll love it. He'll love a strongly run two miles. The pace Absolutely. they go in that supreme. I bet, was, if I if I thought he was going to run there, I bet he ends up favoured on the day. Yeah, I would agree with that. Oh, agreement in the camp. Well, Kev, can I whiz back to you with a, a really like really nice sort with Jay DeGruji there, and also, of course, with Jay DeGruji, it makes total sense to talk about Dysart and us as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, two big contenders for the for the mayor, not for the mayor's novices hurdle now. Uh, and Jay DeGruji was very good, I thought. Um, travel jumped straight forward, good and strong late on. Um, has picked up a penalty for winning this race. You know that that's a that's a factor you have to consider for the mayor's novice. Um, she'll get a five pound penalty because of this win. Um, whereas Fergal O'Brien uh, has probably been quite clever in keeping Dysart Enos to a class of race that even though she's three from three over hurdles, she won't carry a penalty. Um, so that, that's probably quite a clever move by him. Um, who would you fancy? Jared de Grugge, um or Dysart Enos receiving five pounds? Um, Jared de Grugge will be my inclination. Um, like She's just had the two spins over hurdles. Very impressive both days. You know, going to be better again. Now look at, this was more the other day at Fairy House was more about visuals than substance. Um, like time wouldn't would you wouldn't be you wouldn't be leaning on the clock, I don't think, to to justify your regard for Jade DeGruji. But um I think there was there there will be much better to come. And when it comes to the day, um as at present they're quite a similar price and even giving away the penalty, um, I'd still be with Jade DeGruji of the two. Okay, and and Daryl because Jay Degruji eight to one into three to one, then making a fab for the Mavs novice hurdle. She looks smart, doesn't she? Yeah, she does look smart. Like like Kerry touched on there, you, you couldn't take too much from the clock, but what you could take is the fact that she was like twenty, I think twenty three lengths. I've read it in the Sunday column, twenty three lengths behind um, Western Diego approaching the third last. But the amount of ground she made up from the third last, from the back of the third last to the line, was quite significant. For me, the performance previous to this. I thought she looked like a more of a stayer, whereas here she shows she had a good turn of foot. So plenty of positives to take from Jade Degruji. Plenty of positives to take from Dosa Enos. I like that prep. You know, I know she was entitled to win as she as she did there. She was beating nothing really, but it was a nice building block for her for the festival. And uh, I think we're set for a bit of a cracker. I think it's turning into a little bit of a three horse race. I must be honest, um, three maybe four horse race. But I think it, I think they're very evenly matched at the moment. It's, it'd be interesting to see how they go on the day in the market. It will. And Daryl, can I just stick with you quickly for a line on Gidley Park and Mirazor West then? Yeah, Mirazor West, this is a horse with an abundance of talent, I think. Fernie's little brother, um, he, he's, he's got some ability. I think he needed to run the first day. This uh, The last day, he, he just he absolutely hacked up. The, the, the thing with him, though, is, and this is why he's probably unchanged at 14-1, to 1, is he jumps significantly right. Now, he did it the first day at Leopardstown. Um, when he was on the inside, he was still jumping out to the right. He did it here as well. And it's very evident. You, you watch where his front legs are landing to compared to where his back legs are landing, particularly at the last. I mean, you could pick any number of the hurdles out to, for a good example of this, but he was jumping markedly to his right. That would be a massive concern in the Supreme. So he that's, no, that, that's probably why he's unchanged at that price. Um, Gidley Park, nice horse. This race reads as a barring Bingham trial. It typically is a better pointer towards the Albert Bartlett down the years. Um. Yeah, he. I've got. I think he's quite. I don't think he's the quickest now. I don't think he's the quickest. The move that Lucky Palace made down that home straight really caught him. Caught him. Um. Caught him unaware. And 
But it, look, he, again, he showed a good attitude and he was he was strong at the finish. I'd like to see him over three miles. I'd consider him in that division, in the two and a half division. I think he'd be he'd be outsped, to be honest with you. But yeah, he's interesting. Okay, well, Tom, we've we've spoken about Jericho Derapine, but is there any horse in particular that you want to talk about with Jay Degruji, uh, Dyson Enos, Gidley Park, or Mirasol West? Well, look, I just uh, Mirasol West. I I don't think he's. Uh, flash enough as in his jumping isn't correct enough to be uh, I think he got run off his feet personally just the way he goes at it he's a bit awkward for me uh, Gidley Park I don't think Cheltenham plays to his strengths in Newbury he was able to get rolling get into a big rhythm and he went away and won 15 lengths 13 lengths whatever it, it just caught him out the other day turning left up down it just he's a huge horse and it kind of caught him out so um, my nap for the meeting is Jade Grugy because the two boys up now, I don't know. I've, I've often heard you, uh, Daryl, talk about speed figures. And a guy I'm very close to told me she's off the clock on a speed figure. From the uh, last day or the first day? No, from the last day. Mm. So, and and this is why I used to say to him, bloody clocks. Now one says <laughs> it is fast, says it's not fast. I said, visually now she's three from three. And I know, I know the, the filly of Fergals is very good. And she has Cheltenham form. She has Cheltenham course form, which is always a big plus, especially with a filly there. And she'd be a good yardstick and beat the bat. Um, but in Willie, we trust. <laughs> in Willie, we trust. Yeah. No, I'm we trust, we trust in Willie. Yeah. Well, that nicely concludes our novice hoodler <laughs> section, which moves on to our novice chasers. So I was just going to give you the prices of our market movers here. Ginny's Destiny, 14 to 1 into 9 to 1 for the Turners. All prices from the Betfair Sportsbook. So do be sure to check out the Betfair Sportsbook. Stay away, Faye, 5 to 1, out to 6 to 1 for the Brown Advisory. And Embassy Garden, 7 to 1 into 130 for the National Hunt Chase. And 14 to 1 into 10s for the Brown Advisory on the back of that Nace win. So, who wants to kick us off? Kev, why don't we start with you? And you can pick which horse you want to start with. Ginny's Stay Away Faye or Embassy Gardens? Um, well, look, I think Stay Away Faye was the most interesting one because yep. of the, the the boldness of the campaigning. You know, it was two from two over fences and and, and lobbed them straight into the Cotswold chase, which you love to see. We don't see enough of. And, and Paul um, is one of the more regular exponents of this type of ballsiness um, in this day and age. And uh, he was beaten, but he, he definitely advanced his form, you know, quite significantly. The terms of the race weren't brilliant for him. You know, he was given three pounds away to Capitano, you know, a grade one winner who, who finished, finished the, you know, albeit a, a modest second to Gallop and the Champ last time. And um, and I thought he acquitted himself quite well. I, I thought his jumping held up well in the better company. He was, he was very long at the fourth, um, but was, you know, athletic enough to get himself out of trouble. And he just stuck to his task really well. Like we knew that about him. We know he stays very well um from his, his exploits at the festival last season. Um and I, I don't think he hurt his chances um back in novice company at all at all. Like I say, he brought his form forward. Um some people are really negatively because they, they never want to see these horses beaten, but um you think he'll learn plenty from that doing that sort of thing in that sort of company on just the start start over fences. And um, yeah, I'll be interested to see what Paul does with him next. Yeah, um, Daryl, what do you think? Because I mean, obviously, error at the open ditch, but um, I, I also agree with Kev. I, I thought hopefully he'll learn plenty from from that race. Yeah, well, he's rock solid rather than flashy, isn't he? Like, I, I'll be honest with you, I thought I didn't, I, I did question the decision of Paul putting him in here, but it, he, like, I also applauded it. 
thinking that this, you know, he adds a, a different element to the race. I thought he was rock solid all the way around. You never worry about his jumping. He looks sure-footed at, at every moment. Um, he, and he really stuck in there well. He did not look out of place one bit. Um, where does he go? Like, does he go national one chase? I don't think Paul would send him there. Rise. Yeah, no, I don't think so. But I think the race would suit him, though, you know. I, I do think he's... he's like, I look, I see him as a, a future sort of grand national type of horse, but... Um, look, he's going to go to the Brown of Eye. He's going to go back on the old course, which is going to be a sharper test for him. Uh, I don't know what their guys made, but I don't, there was something that just bugged me coming over the last when he just he was hanging right. He was just hanging right there. Now maybe he was just sort of inexperienced, feeling that feeling the pressure of a of a well run race. Um, but in, either way, for me, he definitely took a step forward. He definitely enhanced his profile in my eyes. Uh, with, with yeah, this well, one. let's ask who, let's ask uh, Houdini. Where did he go, Tom? You vanished <laughs> off the screen. I know. I just uh, just turned down the light. It was a bit flashy in the back. Yeah, um, just, <laughs> I think it's on the young start. <laughs> um, yeah, stay away, Faye. Like like you said, Paul. It was a brave old shout to chuck him into the Cotswold. But I, I think I think if we had our way again, we'd make a lot more use of him. I don't think we went. I don't think we used his stamina. It didn't matter in the end because he probably didn't truly see it out as uh, he got past in the end by <clears throat> the real whacker. <clears throat> but he landed on the ditch. And a novice, he took himself back from that. And he may have been a bit sore after the last, you know, you, you get to the end of the three miles. But he split 160 horses and he's rated 150. So he's going to go up seven or eight pounds. So he's going into the Brown Advisory, high 150s. He's still going to take a lot of whacking. And I'm sure, I'm absolutely adamant, he will be better on nicer ground. That took a lot of getting the other day. That was that mm. was really testing ground. And like you said, Capadano. Um, he looked amazing in the paddock in Cheltenham, so I'm, I can see why he took it. But I take nothing away from Stay Away Fair. I think we'll see a, a far swifter horse now come March. Do you worry about yeah. the old course? In what sense? The, just the sharper nature of it. They're going to go a gallop, aren't they? Do you know what I mean? They, like I think they crawled on Saturday, personally. Um, I, I, I think it'll suit him better if they're going to gallop. I think he can latch on. He's not he's not devoid of speed, is he? You know what I mean? He can, he can travel and jump. And now the one thing that let him down was landing on the ditch, but he does jump very good and he's yeah, very comical. And he races just behind the bridle, which makes you think he's slower than he actually is. Yeah, it's a really interesting point, actually. And yeah, that was it was yeah, it was a horrid error at the open ditch, yeah. but recovered and, and that's what you want to see um so that's kind of looking at stay away fake kev did you want to have a line on embassy gardens yeah i told you it was good now um like he seems to be like there, there was always he always seemed to be held in quite high regard and it didn't always happen for him over hurdles he, he was very disappointing in the albert barton last season but um look two starts over fences two wide margin wins this was great three company like you'd be happy with his jumping like this this uh, small field i know but um, you know, to to do that to the horse he did it to would would make you would make you pretty happy now if he does get steered towards the, the three mile sixer as I always call it the national hunt chase. Um, and you know I know Willie has options, and thus Patrick will have options, but I don't know if he has a better option than this at the minute. Yeah. And and Tom, so the, the the other one we're talking about really is is Ginny's destiny. But if you have any view on Embassy Gardens, please do feel free Just, to highlight only, that. The only thing I thought about Embassy Gardens, and, and he was very impressive. I'd actually <laughs> he can't now unless they give him a quick. I'd fancy Sandor again for one of the handicaps if he ended up in them. Um, that aside, Embassy Garden. My only downfall is that he was kind of keen when he was over hurdles. Maybe he's getting better at that. 
but all of his bossing uh, runs and wins are in small fields. They are in very small fields, four and five runner races. Just the more I looked at his form, I thought each time he got to a big handicap, it kind of fell apart on him, or a big uh, graded race with plenty of runners, it fell apart on him a bit. And maybe he's maturing and he get, he, he'll, he'll uh, get a bit older and wiser, but uh, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, um, I wouldn't be falling in love with him. Fair enough. And Daryl Ginny's Destiny 14 to 1 into 9 to 1 um, for the turners on the Betfair Sportsbook. Yeah, just just a really strong, straightforward, uh, no nonsense ride and uh, and performance. Really, um, he just he, he's just a relentless galloper, isn't he? And he he's he's again another one of Paul's that is that, just so solid in the jumping department. You never expect him to make a mistake, and when a horse like that is bowling along at front at, at the front on the new course, it just takes some getting. And uh, look, Paul seems to hold him in really high regard, uh, given his post race interview and. Why wouldn't you? He's he's following the the footsteps of uh, um, last year's winner, stage star. Mm. He's just rock solid. He's just rock solid. Look, I, I look. I think he's I think he's vulnerable to a superstar, right? I think he's vulnerable to something like a like a Gaelic warrior on his day, or a, if Ile Francais shows up. But you know, there are potentials that those two don't even go to this race, and mm. and you know, he'd have every chance, in my opinion. But. Uh, I would prefer the odds Hermes Allen if they were going to go to the Turners, but I mean Tom might be able to tell us whether he's going to go to Aintree or not. I know he's in at Sandown on Saturday, but um, would would Ginny's performance at the weekend, Tom, sway well, Paul to sort of save Hermes? One hundred percent. The way yeah. he was talking before before he went out onto the course, we were with the owners Gordon Sue Hall, and he said, "I haven't the la- like stage star." was the only one last year went through handicaps and ended up at the grade one in, in Cheltenham, he said, in March. But he said, what work this horse is doing right now? Now, Rabode is a very, very nice animal. He's a 150-rated hurdler. This thing destroyed him in a bit of work the other day. And he says, I, I, it's, it's nearly unbelievable. Now, State Star won this handicap last year off 142. Ginny won it off 147 at the weekend, giving away at least a stone, if not more, to the rest. So he, in, his, in his eyes, he's going straight to Cheltenham for the race that Stage Star won last year in his head. And he's, well, he's on on, on that performance, he's already a five-pound better performance uh, giving away top weight. And he wouldn't put Hermes Allen in with him then? He would. I doubt it. It's not It's not really what he does. It's not yeah. his style. He'd separate him. There's no point in, uh, especially with trainers' championships, prize money's everything. <laughs> Well, <laughs> that's the novice chasers concluded and we can move on to the hurdlers. And this is fascinating for, for us to talk about because we're kind of going to put it into, into two sections. We've, of course, got Monkfish. I mean, wow. Paisley Park, just our wonderful veteran. And Noble Yates, who can run in any race, anywhere, and seems to be able to do anything. And then, of course, we'll probably start with Daryl because we'll talk about Astro Diamond, Darla so Under Control, and the beautiful... Lossy mouth, but Kev, I think we'll start with you with Monkfish, Paisley, and Noble Yates. If that's all right, yeah, I, I was at Goran on Thursday for the TSD's meeting. Great to see Monkfish back. Um, has had a, a you know, has had an awful lot of problems, um, since coming to prominence as, as a novice chaser. She's nearly three years ago now, but uh, this was good. Like watching the race, I thought he was in trouble turning in. Um, but his stamina really rolled, and like the ground was particularly tough at at, at Goran Park the other day, and he won well. But look, at he wasn't beating um stairs hurdler class horses, you'd have to say. Um, so great to see him back. 
Um, it'll be interesting to see if they persevere down this the same hurdle route rather than going back over fences. I could see the sense in doing that. Um, but can he win a stairs hurdle? It wouldn't be for me. Um, can any of the horses we saw at Cheltenham win a stairs hurdle? Um, we saw a few to can be competitive for sure. Um, what a race Paisley Park ran. He's just a, an absolute legend. Um, and Noble Yates, you know, grounded out. I don't think it was a particularly strong piece of form. Fabulous horse race. Um, but I don't know if it'll be particularly relevant um, come the Sayers hurdle in March, but I'm sure Paisley Park will have a few people taking a chance on him to um, to slip into the frame because that's the type of horse he is. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if, we'd be, if, we, if we saw the winner of the race in either of those contests. Kev, is Paisley Park running at the top of his game and is he an absolute solid marker or are those that are... <clears throat> Just scraping past him, just beating him, just not quite up to that real stayers hurdle winner level. Yeah, like he has to be diminished, you know, like like Paisley Park, like the most impressive win of his life was probably in that race five years ago. You know, it's a yeah, long, it's exactly. a long time ago. Yeah. It's a long I can't have that he's the same horse. Like he's clearly still very good. And he's still probably, you know, mid one fifties. Um, yeah. But that's that's where you are, I think, with him, you know, uh, which is still a great place to be with any horse. But he he's just not the like he was. Jeez, uh, he was probably a stone better horse at his very very best. So on that on that point, would you instead of people saying Paisley Park's an absolutely solid standard setter and a marker, would you actually say, well, they're only Look outside just the form line depleting. altogether? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you get what yeah, I mean? Yeah, no, I think you have. I think you have to. You know, you can make a case, your case for Crambo because you know he's up and coming, potentially open to more improvement. But yeah, I'd be looking for, I'd be looking at completely, completely different form lines, independent yeah. of the of the mighty Paisley Park at this stage. Because the fact that he's banging there pitching probably tells you what you need to know of the the level. You know, yeah, he is amazing. Twelve years old, and I'll just give you the price. So Monkfish sixty six to one into sixteen to one for the Stayers, thirty three to one. For the Gold Cup winning after that 273 day break. That's prices on the Betfair Sportsbook. Noble Yates 16 to 1 into 10 to 1 for the Stayers, the horse that can do anything. And Paisley Park 20 to 1 into 16 to 1 for the Stayers. So before I come to Tom Darrell, is there anything you wanted to add about Paisley Noble or Monkfish? Just, just, just that what I said to Kev. It's just, I think, um, I think. Plenty of people may make the mistake that Paisley is the sort of the standard setter um, for for the race, and if you're beating him, you're you're somewhat you know entitled to be towards the top of the market. Or whereas I would probably just take a dimmer view of that. I would probably mm. just, for example, at the weekend there was there was five lengths separating the first five home. You know, I think just because Paisley Park is is running, you know, and everyone's saying oh, he's run a blinder, he's running his heart out, which he is, and he's a great horse. You've got to remember that, like Kev said. It was the five years ago Paisley Park that was the real dominant force in this division, mm. not the same Paisley Park. So I would just yeah. tre tread carefully with those with those form lines. That was yeah, that's yeah. To, to use a boxing comparison, like Paisley Park at this stage of his career is probably you know what you call a gatekeeper, and yeah. the young contenders come in and take them on, and you know you you want to be blowing them away if you're going to be a world champion sort of way, you know. Hundred percent. And, and if the gatekeeper can pull you down into the trenches, you you might not be ready just yet. Yeah, and, and Tom, what are your thoughts then on our older older boys in this, Monkfish, Paisley and Noble? Uh, Paisley, sure, they're, they're all lovely warriors, aren't they? Yeah. But I don't like Paisley's run style. He doesn't suit coming down that hill at Cheltenham. He's a length off them at the top of the hill. He's eight lengths off them in the dip. 
and then he gets beat a short head. I hate it. I hate horses to do that. As How much money have you lost on him? <laughs> I, back, I honestly couldn't back that sort of horse. He just he leaves you gasping every time he runs. And even five years ago when he was very good, he still had the same flaw, but was good enough to get away with it. Yeah, yeah. it's true. And when you have Dashiell Drasher putting his heart on his sleeve and just getting chinned, and the one horse that I think, because we haven't seen him or we're not talking about him, I think he wins the stairs, Tayupu. I think he's tailor-made for the rest. I think it's his. I, I, oh, was Irish from, point. Well, that's fine, but Tayupu right now has a better, uh, well, for me, has a better level form. And he's been trained for one race in mind. So um, I would, uh, I'm, I'm sitting and waiting. The, re- the fact he's not running, no one's really talking about him. He's there. He's second for my joint favourite with, with Irish points. Um, but they're training him for one race and one race in mind. And the other, all them old timers are doing battle every three or four weeks. When it comes to March, they won't be fresh. They will not what, be fresh. What, what, what would you say, though, about the fact that T. Hooper couldn't get it done against Dashiell Drasher, side, side of Belair, side because he's an absolute legend and a freak but that, those, those older horses last year the fact they couldn't get it done there would you be would that concern you this year or would you expect him to improve and them to sort of digress you know well i think maybe that's why gordon decided let's just have one bash at them we have a stronger better horse he's only seven do you know what i mean i know crambo's crambo's seven as well and irish points only six but if he thinks let them all beat each other up all year and we'll have one go at them in mm. the in the stairs and i i like the way they're doing it because then they can go Maybe not straight to entry, but they can go to entry and punch down or vice versa, whatever way. Uh, I like the way they're campaigning that horse, and I think he'll take a lot of stop another day. Yeah, that's seriously interesting. It really that is actually it's fascinating, and we'll follow that absolutely. Um, Daryl <coughs> Ashro Diamond, of course, when you enter post tips, um, Garlema so under control and lossy mouth. Um, how are you gonna analyze those? I will just quickly run through the prices so everyone knows Ashro Diamond then. Um, seven to one into four to one for the mayor's hurdle. Gala Merceau, um, 11 to two out to seven to one. We've got under control 50 to one into 33 to one for the mayor's hurdle, a big price there. And uh, the lovely Lossy Mouth two to one into four to five for the mayor's hurdle, and also 33 to one into 14 to one for the champion hurdle. Yeah, well, all, all, all revolves around revolves around Lossy Mouth now, doesn't it? Look, if yeah. if if, if if, well, look, look. There, there was a lot of cries for Lossy Mouth to be going to the champion hurdle, you know, and I think that I think that's very justified from from fans of the sport because we want to see these big clashes. That's what it's all about, right? You can understand that that owners and trainers they just want to win races, right? So the obvious port of call for her is to go to the mayor's hurdle and, and probably absolutely hack up and uh, and be, you know easily very impressive there and then look at a champion hurdle campaign the, the following year as fans of the sport we don't want to hear that that's not what we want to hear and we've got every right to, to call for for these horses to be put into big clashes you know against each other but if if lossy mouth was to go to champion hurdle then i'd be sitting a bit more prettier with with the performance of astro diamond and that of under control i thought took a massive step forward obviously from disappointment at newbury last time she's a horse definitely going the right way um but that division is you know, it, it revolves directly around what Lossy Mouth did because she was brilliant in the international. She was fantastic. Um, hard on the steel, off the back of a, a long layoff, first start outside of juvenile company. There's obviously plenty more of improvement in her given the size and scope she had last year. There's loads to like about. She's the favourite. She's the right price. She'll probably go off even shorter. She'll probably win. Just disappointing, I think, from a fan's perspective, but understandable from a, an owner's and a trainer's perspective. Yeah. The Lossy Mouth situation. 
Yeah, you're Astro Diamond, though. I, I love her action. She's got little springs under her hooves. I do. I love her action. Mm. Loose, it's athletic. She's got a nice rolling enough if, if the ground went soft. I like yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure she'd be the strongest finisher over two and a half miles up that hill. That would be my slight concern. I think right. the step up and trip would actually suit under control better. I'd, I'd, I'd probably, I'd expect under control if they were to go this way to reverse the form of Astro Diamond. Right. Um, but I don't think any of them will get, you know, anywhere near lossy mouth. To be honest, so, yeah. disappointing. I'm sure you probably agree. Kev, what, what do you think? Um, I was impressed with Astro Diamond, in fairness. Um, like herself and Gala Marceau were, were quite closely matched in the market, but like it was no contest in the race. Astro Diamond was traveling everywhere, probably got to the front sooner than Patrick wanted to, and you know, had the race under control from under control um throughout the closing stages. Jumping was good, uh, has a lovely long stride, like you say. Um, look at her form level wouldn't be would be away behind where Lassie Mount will be post this weekend. But um, look, you'd have to like her style. You know, her performance at Fairy House last season would give you hope that two and a half would be fine. But um, she clearly looked quite pacey here. Um, and with Lassie Mout, look, it was all style. Um, it was it was really impressive style. Um, she, we, you know, we don't know where her ceiling is. That's the exciting thing about her. Um, and that's what will frustrate people because with, with Constitution Hill, we know he's one of the best we've probably ever seen. We know he's a better horse than Statement. And if Lassie Mout doesn't go for the champion hurdle, all of a sudden the champion hurdle looks a bit of a formality, bar a fall or something else goes wrong with Constitution Hill, which isn't what you want for one of your marquee championship races. Um, but at the same time, can you really knock Rich and Willie for wanting to go for the mayor's hurdle? I, I, I don't blame them. I blame the programme. Um, the programme shouldn't allow connections to have that decision to make it should be you know if you're if you're rated as high as she's going to be rated you should be you know champion hurdler nowhere but champion hurdler stairs hurdle but that's where we are um i'll i'll keep campaigning to try and get it changed <laughs> just, put a, um, just put a bracket on the on the mayor's hurdle don't you yeah well that's what i do and make it a not to 150 handicap yeah. hurdle we'd end up with it with a brilliantly competitive race that you know that Fair you know, the fifteen sets of connections would have could go there with a genuine chance of winning, and um, tip toppers like Lassie Mouth, like Apples Jade, Annie Power, Volley mm -hmm. uh, Lava Debt, Quivega, you know that are more than capable of winning grade, and most of them have or did win grade ones against the boys with the allowance. You know that that's what they should be doing in a perfect world. We'd have more than enough depth. You know, uh, amongst the mayors and the geldings, that we wouldn't even need to have this conversation. Yeah, but we and, don't and, now. And a mayor's hurdle would be perfectly fine, and it wouldn't take away from the main event. But unfortunately, we're we're really light on um, on top horses, and we need them doing that rather than dancing around each other. Yeah. Unfortunately, and annoyingly, Tom Kev, he does have these good points. <laughs> um, <laughs> how, how does it how does it sit with you with Afro Diamond Garlema so under control and lossy mouth? Well, so she's just put herself into a completely different league now, hasn't she? Like, she has had form with them all last year, but, I mean, she beat Zarak the Brave, and he's gone out and won yesterday, and she's gone and trounced Love Envoy by nine lengths. And I promise you now, Rabaud is a grade one two-mile chaser, and she made him look pedestrian. Now, when he goes over fences next year, he will win a grade one two-mile novice chase. He is very, very good over fences. So we're buying time, but he still made, she still made us look pedestrian yesterday. And... I love the way Willie's done this. Uh, Four-year-olds have a, uh, four eyes and fives have a bad old uh, year after being good, tr um, 
juveniles. And he's at, we'll just sit tight now, give a one run in January and then straight to Cheltenham. Like he's given her, he's given her every chance not to bottom her as a, as a four or five year old. And it's only, well, it wouldn't matter. I'd say after yesterday's performance, it wouldn't matter when he ran her, but he's, uh, he's looking after her and I can see why man alive. She was, she was impressive. Yeah, she was. Well, that kind of concludes the hurdlers, but I just wanted to mention a couple that we're not really going to cover, but sort of market movers um, was Zarak the Brave, who you did just allude to, 50 to 1 into 33 to 1 um, for the champion hurdle, and Marie's Rock, 20 to 1 into 12 to 1 for the mayor's hurdle. That's all on the Betfair Sportsbook, which leads us on to our next section, the Chasers. Brides Hill, 25 to 1 into 8 to 1 for the Mayor's Chase. Um, Capadano, 20 to 1 into 10 to 1 for the Ryanair. John Bond, big topic here, so we could spend plenty of time on that. 5 to 2, out to 4 to 1. And this performance moved El Fabiolo into 4 to 7 from 4 to 5. Who out of you, how do you three wants to kick us off with the chases? And, and do you think we should start with John Bond, the massive oh. I'll kick you off with John Bon if you like. Yeah. Um geez, I was worried about this. That this 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 was a bit of a disaster, wasn't it? Um, like Nikki had said that he was a bit worried that having to sit on him for an extra week wasn't ideal. And you can see why now, because he he was gassy early on and um airy, his jumping was airy, and then he makes a mistake at the third and he lost his rhythm for a while. He started going left, which he has done in the past, and then he has that like proper proper race ender of a mistake really at the fourth last you know i reckon from the video it's cost him four or five lengths um looking at, and it's easy to be smart from from sitting here but uh, james bone would, would love to have this race again um i think he, he made up he decided to make up he initially gave the horse a chance to to regather himself but he asked a lot of him between the third and the second last made up a lot of ground hit the front horses fiddled the last and he's just he's really had to dip the tank He's had a hard race. It was a slow finish. He's got beat. He's hung left. It's just if 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 I would have been upset now if I owned him or I had an interest in him because it was just a disaster for for no for no real gain. And um and sure look, we know Nicky's a master and he he'll do his best to freshen him up and have him back right for March. But um like this 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 was tough now like because this is a really good horse. You know he's only ever been beaten by Constitution Hill and El Fabiolo and. He's conspired to get beat by by Elixir the nuts here, and that's just not the level we're we're, we're accustomed to with John Bond. So, yeah, and the and for those hoping for the, the big the big rematch, the latest edition of the rivalry between uh, John Bond and El Fabiolo, I'd say the El Fabiolo fans slept very very soundly on Saturday night after watching that. After they finished drinking to celebrate, <laughs> Daryl, what's really fascinating about this though is that Nikki's been open, um, like with ITV or or other media outlets that John Bond hates his routine to be changed. He's very micromanaged. He couldn't be any more opposite to Constitution Hill, who he describes as a, as a pony at home that puts his ears back and sort of trots around the indoor arena and can't really be bothered until he gets on the course. So John Bon is that total different kettle of fish that needs that managing. And then that that mistake for out. I actually, I also, Daryl, I, f- I felt sorry for the horse because no doubt he'd be a little bit sore after that and probably having some physio. I mean, he did well to recover. Yeah, look, he did do well to recover. You know, it, like he, he went up a little bit in my estimations, given given his how he reacted to to the mistake. Now, the issue with with John Bon is as a novice, sort of like 
his biggest asset was his foot perfect jumping, right? So how he was going to beat El Fabiolo, the, the talk of the town before the before the festival when they met in the Arkle, was that he would out jump him and El Fabiolo would make a mistake and and whatnot. But we've 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 learnt with El Fabiolo that he he can crash for a fence, he can hit a fence, but he's got such a sizable engine that he is a top top class horse, right? And he can get the job done regardless. John Bond's foot perfect jumping still didn't you know allow him to get within five lengths of, of El Fabiolo. My my point with John Bond all this time has been what happens when he makes a mistake? You know, what happens when he starts to lose ground at his fences? He starts throwing in the odd dodgy jump. And we've seen this year that he's now starting to go out to the left. We've seen, you know, some frailties in that jumping department. The question I would ask people, I know it was a good performance to get back up to to you know just be outdone by Alexi Denutz, but if Alexi Denutz was who had walked through a fence himself, by the way, if Alexi Denutz was El Fabiolo, how far would he have beaten John Bond yet on, on Saturday? Like it would have been a darn it would have been a darn lot further than the five lengths that he beat him, you know, last mm. year when John Bond jumped foot perfectly. That that's what I would say. So I think we've got to put it into context. It was a good performance from John Bond to you know to be able to recover from those mistakes. But there is only one way you're going to beat El Fabiolo, and that's if you've got a bigger engine than him. And 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 you haven't. I just don't think he's as good a horse as El Fabiolo is. Mm. And the biggest chance he had was by that foot perfect jumping, and where that's now gone slightly to pot this season. I think he's got a massive uphill uphill task to, to reverse the form personally. Tom, can we come to you with this? I think I think we take away how brilliantly this horse has been trained, John Bon. Because if you remember correctly, after he won his point of point between there and his first start, everyone was saying, oh, they've paid too much for him. He washed with sweat and he's a nutbag. And it's Nicky Henderson's prowess with them types of horses. He is unbelievable. He, I, I'm adamant a lot of other trainers wouldn't have near as many wins beside this horse's name because this horse would have fried in a heartbeat. He would. Mm. Man has kept him unbelievably switched off. I think Daryl's right. I think if I'm being honest, and I said both horses, El Fabioa and John Bon, who has the bigger engine, it wouldn't be a question in my eyes. As much as that horse has won 15 or 16 wins, I think El Fabiola, bigger, stronger, scopier horse. And yes, he might make a mistake or two, but by God, the engine gets him through it. He can land and run. Uh, the one thing I'd, I thought John Bon landed on the fence, he actually didn't. If you watch it very closely, because I watched it 10 times this morning, four strides before, he changed his lead. Mm. And I think he slipped from behind. Because actually, James gave him a squeeze for the last three jumps. He should have come. It was very normal. James didn't do anything wrong. The horse swapped his lead going into the fence, four strides. And I think he slipped. I think he got all disunited himself and slipped. And that's why he landed on top of the fence. So actually, I know uh, Elixir the Nuts is a 155 horse. He probably done well to get back to him with that mistake. But again, like Daryl said, El Fabiola would win 15, 20 lengths. If that mistake had been made, your man had been gone from the top of the hill. He wouldn't have seen which way he went. So Yeah, but I, he switched his front lead and got disunited behind. Absolutely. It looked disaster. Like he, disaster. It looked, absolutely. That's how he landed. It, it's not like as if he didn't grab at the fence. It, he, he literally just flattened through it. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't until I watched it back and back, I could see, I could see what actually happened then. Uh, and yeah, then just just for anyone out there, just because I suppose not everyone watching will know what what the lads mean by disunited is the the sequence lady, of foot, lady. The, the sequence of footfalls where the horse is galloping. It should be if you know 
left hind, right hind, left fore, right fore. When they're disunited, it's left hind, right hind, right fore, left fore. They're just out. They're just right. disunited. How common you know, is that? Um, um, the, the, you'd see it. You'd see it all the time if you watch um, horses coming out of stalls in slow mo. They'll do it when they're when they're accelerating, but it, it's 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 very fast, but it's inefficient. And they don't hold it for very long. And in in a case like this, it's just the horse has just gotten a bit of a jumble. You'd imagine if you're if you were running and you just took a funny stride, gotten a bit. I know it's not the same because you're on two legs, but you, you, the horse has just got a bit unbalanced and a bit in a jumble, basically. And it feels really weird, Daryl, when you're on board because it feels all wrong because you're not doing that lovely sort of four beat. It just all goes wrong. So the back doesn't marry up with the front. And if it's almost worse disunited behind because you need to be right behind to push off. You want to, you know, push off. So it's disaster. It's it's the really one, not. The one thing it does, it pulls the lever from under them as well. The speed slows down so much more. Like as yeah. you can imagine it, you're in a you're in a rhythm in the right right stride, and then all of a sudden it's gone. You, you're not at the same speed at all, and that's how I think he ended up going through the fence personally. Yeah. Yeah, fascinating. You know, it is it is fascinating, interesting stuff. Okay, well that is the chasers wrapped up. I have given you the prices. I hope I've given you all the prices there for that, because um, we're going to move on to the juvenile hurdles section, which I'd love to start with you, Daryl, because Gino, that, Gino. Uh, <laughs> go on son How go on my son because that was um, a really impressive market mover as well from your anti-pose you've loved this horse from starts fair play to you so Gino 6-1 to one, into 6-4 to four for the Triumphs looks an absolute machine yeah really good in France he was when he beat Salvatore Mundi he did it very very comfortably he jumped pretty slickly the, the thing that impressed me most back then was when it, the way he travelled through the race very very sort of enthusiastic, but not too over exert um, too much energy. And Kempton, look, Kempton, it was, it was, he always wanted to go a yard quicker at Kempton. You could see that for much of the race. His jumping was poor. Um, but it, it, again, he, he really impressed with the way he quickened and, and uh, he, he did excite me then. And this was just, uh, this was in a different stratosphere, really. Like the, he, he settled lovely. He jumped well. He looks very strong, powerful. I love the stride cadence on him. Um, he swings down the hill. I'm sitting there watching this race and I'm thinking, James, do not wait until the final bloody hurdle and try and outspeed Burdett Road. Like, and then, you know what I mean? I, I just could see that happening. And Jesus, he jumps the last hurdle and off he goes, whoosh. He was half a second quicker than Lossie Mouth from the back of the last line. It was all hand and heels, no need to bring out the persuader. And my God, it was like it literally took my breath away. I, I, I've got to be honest. This was what this was. I don't want us to go too over the top because I am invested. So I need to sort of rein it in a bit. But I do feel that this is one of the best juvenile performances I've I've, I've ever seen, really. And um, I can't wait to see what he can do at March. I think he's a very, very worthy favourite. I think it'll take a hell of a darn good one to come out of Ireland to beat him like something out of the ordinary like he is. Um, you just don't see performances like this very often. The circuit time from the first hurdle to the finish line, he was about three and a half lengths quicker than Lossy Mouth. The two-mile circuit time, though, so from the last hurdle in the straight to the line, he was about four, four and a half lengths slower than Lossy Mouth. I'll just tell you, you know, the way the races were run there. But from the back of that last line, he was half a, half a second quicker. And... I mean, just I just look at that performance and think, geez, imagine what he would do if you just pulled out that persuader and just gave him one tap. 
Like, j- just imagine what we would do. The performance for me was, I, I gave it a very high rating. He's effectively beaten a 101 flat Royal Ascot winner, uh, who's rated 137, who I thought had no excuses and ran completely to his mark. Uh, he beat him easily by 10 lengths. I put it in the realm of sort of a 150 performance, which is very, very high for, for a juvenile. The Racing Post handicapper came out and gave it a 143. Um, I'd also given Lossy Mouth a 155. They agreed with that. But I can't understand why they would give him a, a low rating. Perhaps they, they hold it. Well, I do know they hold these juveniles back on their ratings just a little bit. But for me, I thought it was outlandishly impressive. And uh, what's going to beat him? I'd love to hear it. Tom? Um, no, I, I love the animal. I love juveniles. always have. Uh, managed to buy Quilixios, who won the Triumph a few years ago, but not half enough of them. I love buying them. Problem is, is that Burdett Roads are far and few between these days. And Burdett Roads' run style won't ever, ever beat Sergino ever again, or not, or get that close to him either. I actually would fancy Burdett Roads, given his mark, if they ended up in the Fred Winter with him. I think he'd be a serious player in the Fred Winter. Um, I think the horse thinks he's quicker than he is. He's far too keen on himself. And when Harry Cobden let him down the other day, he was all lost at sea. He was like... It was the first time they'd let the bridle go in his mouth because he had to, had to. And I thought for 20 strides, he was just all lost. He was actually half asking, Harry, grab me again and let's run. But he was flat out, he was. And I think, I think having spoke to James that evening at the sales, he said they'll change things a bit and make more use of him, not let him be so keen, which I'm sure will help. But he is too hard on himself. And Sergino can just cons- uh, reserve energy there. Mm-hmm. And when he pressed the button the other day, wow. Wow, wow, wow. That's, for me, my nap of the meeting. Uh, him and Galladam or uh, Jay de Grugier are the two naps for me. Love it. Kev? Yeah, you have to be very impressed with him. Um, I did a whole heap of picking that him now post-Kempton. Um, didn't like the way he, he was dealing with his jumps. Didn't like the way the, the old computer in his brain was working. But um, it, it seems that that was an aberration because um, he's right back on track here. His jumping w- was significantly better. Um, like he, he, he kind of alternated between like n- nice, nice slick style to giving them a shade, a shade of air, but nothing to be worried about. Good and clever when he needed to be. Um, clearly, James Bone didn't want to get to the front too soon, and you can see why. Because when he when he's hit the front just before the last, like he's taken a right old look at the last, pricked his ears, and um, and come back at James a little bit. Um, but he's figured out the hurdle, got over it, and then. Away and gone. Um, visually ticked the box. I, I, I was puzzled by Harry. No, no, maybe an element of hindsight. I was puzzled that Harry Cobden was seemingly keen to keep our dead road over on the far side. Um, when generally you want to be near side, and for the rest of the day, all the action was near side. So I don't think that helped our dead road, and it might have exaggerated the distance a little bit. But um, I wouldn't be picking that Sergino too much at all now. I thought he was really good, all hands and heels. Um, and when you look at what he did at Kempton and you look at what he did here and you see the the gains in technique and style, um, God, if he can if he can get it even a little bit better again next time, um, yeah, like we're we're going to see the spring juvenile this weekend, but we're, we're going to need to see a a serious performance to um to to elevate something to be considered a strong rival for this fellow, I'd say. Sure. Well, at this point in the show, we always come to our performance of the week, but three of you have looked more lit up about Sir Gino than pretty much any other horse. I guess Jay DeGruji. Um, but so is it fair to say Sir Gino is the performance of the week for all three of you? Yeah. Yeah. 
Turn, uh, turn, turn the division inside out, changed it overnight. There might there be a fair few more, I suspect, um, looking to run off a bit of weight in the boodles and take him on. <laughs> yeah, you, you watch the Spring Juvenile next week, a big punt finish with 10 of them all looking for uh. handicap marks for the boodles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Um, and at this point, then, we then sort of move on to um, sort of a antipost preview of a race at the festival. But this week, we're going a little bit different, which I like because it keeps the show really interesting, is we're going to just do two or three listener questions because we keep banging on about interaction. We want people to interact with the show. And some of these listener questions are obviously really relevant to what we've been talking about two questions one from neil dawkins and one from sean johnson are effectively asking the same question and it is john bomb still viable for the champion chase or do you guys think the ryanair so tom what, what do you think i don't think they'll change tack right now i think he'll still run there um but uh, the one thing i would say about nicky is that he would very rarely have his horses pipe and revved for this time of year he's a very target type trainer and as you've seen in the past all right constitution hill and the like off that's different they're just different glass but he'll have this ripping and ready i don't think it'll be as wide open um i think he'll iron out them flaws and if he was a bit too fresh it's probably because he's not he's not over galloping them with one race in mind i think we'll see a far more professional switched on john man i still think al fabiola will probably be the horse to be him, but i don't think it'll be as wide open as it's looking right now okay daryl yeah i'd agree with that those sentiments there um yeah look he, he, he definitely got a champion chase and he and, you know you want to see him back to his best because we want to see the best of the best don't we we want to see him at his, at his top level we want to see fabiola at the top level and uh, yeah yeah ho- hopefully he goes there and he's in good order and uh, we get a good race to watch yeah yeah, and Daryl, can I stick with you? Because this is obviously on your Twitter feed. And it says, um, given what happened since you said if you could only back one horse at Cheltenham, it would be Sir Gino. If you could only back two horses at Cheltenham, who is the second? Um, I think it would be Grey Dawning in the Brown Advisory. Uh, I've really grown to like this horse. Um, yeah, he's gorgeous. I was really, really impressed with it, Warwick. I'm very happy to see he's not in the City Isles on Saturday at Sandown. Um I didn't want him having another run. I think hopefully he's going to go straight there now. So I would be very, very happy with a better him at about seven to one uh, for the Brown Advisory. Brilliant. That question was from Mark Teese. Thank you. And Tom, one for you. Um, John Francis, what race do you think Gaelic Warrior will run in at the festival? Well, it'll all hinge on this weekend, won't it? Do you know what yeah. I mean? Um, I suppose if he quits himself over two miles, he's going to go for the Arkle, is he? I don't, I, um, or, um, yeah, is, is that the race, is it? Yeah, he's, he's over two miles on Saturday. Yeah, um, he's over two miles on Saturday. Like, he, he's such a big cruising speed. Yeah. Uh, that, that'll that help him, I'm sure. But it's very hard to see uh, outside of outside of the weekend what race is going to go. Uh, I, I don't even think Willie will confirm it after that race, if I'm being honest. But he'll leave all the options open. But just, just on that, the one horse that I can't wait to see in Cheltenham, and I think... He's going to take some stopping, and I'd rather see him over two five. His fact to file, man alive, that's a machine. That's as good as I've seen over fences in a long time. Oh, so. Kevin, Kev, have something to say about that? You don't like you, Kevin. <laughs> I wasn't. I, 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 wasn't I can in love see. With him. I, I know you weren't. I, I'll tell you when I wasn't in love with him in Navin. I wasn't in love with him after Navin. He looked like a square tractor jumping. All right, honestly, <laughs> up, square, over, down. He was a snooker table. I think Kev said. I was same same scenario up off <laughs> down. Uh, I was far more in love with him around Leopardstown. And if I'm being honest, having been in the weighing room and listened to 
uh, Willie's jockeys uh, through the years. They only get schooled a good bit later on in life. So I'm sure he's going to improve run on run. Um, I think he's a monster. A monster. Do you think there's like a potential it. then that they could move Gaelic Warrior out of the way for Factor Far in the in the tournament? And, and that's what I was hoping. See, that's why mm. I was I was hoping he'd go and win this weekend over two miles. They'd drop him back and trip. Factor Five would slot in, and then he'd have his three miler as well. Do you know what I mean? So that he could separate them. I I know one thing. If we get to the day and Factor Files in the two five, I'll be having a lumpy bet on him. I like this. I like this a lot. Kev, I've got a little last question, and it goes to you, Mr. Kevin Blake, and it is from JH. Uh, Jay Hammond, where would you send Lossy Mouth if you owned her? Uh, did Stay Away Faye do enough in the Cotswold chase? Um, the Lossy Mouth question. Yeah, look, it's a different question if you say if I owned her, where would I send her? And it's a different question and maybe a more pertinent question to say if you were Rich Ritchie, what would you do? Yeah. <laughs> you know, because if, because if it's me, I've never owned a Cheltenham winner. You know, and I probably would never have another chance at owning one. So your natural inclination is to go for the race with the best chance of winning. But yeah. when you're Rich Ritchie and you've had multiple mayor's hurdles winners, um, multiple champion hurdle winners and many other fantastic horses, you know, it does change the question a little bit. You know, there'll always be the logical part of his brain that says, right, can we can go off odds on for one or we can go off, you know, four to one against one of the best hurdles we've ever seen. But it's a much more interesting question for him to answer. Um, and again, my 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 point that I'd make with this thing is there shouldn't be a decision to make. You know, the program yep. if the program was doing its job, um, he wouldn't. And it's a very awkward position for him to be put in. Like, and you wouldn't. I said it on way in this morning. Like, you'd almost kind of feel sorry for him because he's got this brilliant mare that 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 is so exciting, so much to look forward to, and his head's going to be absolutely wrecked for the next six weeks with people telling him to go <laughs> for champion hurdle, and, and it's wrong. Totally. Like, and that, and the game is doing that to him. The program is doing that to him. You know, we shouldn't be really. That's it. I find it mad. His head is going to be fried because he won't get an answer off Willie. It's not the people outside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, he'll, say so. one, he'll, he'll say one thing, and Willie will change his mind later on, and probably run her in the stairs hurdle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I would be inclined. No, no, honestly, given the connections, given the owner, having so much success, I'd I'd be inclined to throw into the champion. I would for me, just for sport, for sport. But anyway, that's only Can I throw in a question, Natalie, before we finish up? Of course you can throw in a question. Yeah, it's it's to Tom, and I want to ask you about Captain Teague, how he felt about the Chalo run, where he thinks he will run. Would it be the, the Bally Ball or the Albert uh, Bartlett? And how he only, thinks he'll go. Off the back of off the back of the Chalo, there's only one race he can go for the Albert Bartlett, realistically. I, I, he's a grade one winner, but he's let me down this year. Mm. In my eyes, he's let me down. He just looks a bit sluggish and a bit suddenly in his race. Like at Cheltenham, he shouldn't have got beat at Cheltenham. Is like he can't, I think he threw it away. And then I was thinking, we can't have seen the real horse that day. So I give him. A, I'll, I'll, I'll leave him alone. Now he won a Persian War. It was a nothing race at the start of the year. Then he goes to Cheltenham, gets beats, and I think I'm getting this horse wrong. I think he probably got there too soon in the Chalo and then pulls up and does nothing and mm -hmm. makes it look harder work than it is. But I don't like, if you're going to be a good horse, I don't like seeing three horses parking up in behind you, two lengths behind you. Mm -hmm. So he still has it all to do for me. Uh, but I think it's there. The ability is there. And I think, I don't know, I just, I'd love him to get a bit of an oomph in his belly and just, Travel on and get it done. Do you know what I mean? Do you think uh, he was in the wrong part of the track at Cheltenham when he got uh, Listen, beat, no? Harry Cobden's going to kill me for this, okay? <laughs> I, I have this discussion with him all the time. Every race course he rides, he comes up to the wrong rider. He goes up the <laughs> middle of Newbury, 
he, he goes <laughs> like off Chepstow, he comes up the middle and he's on. Newbury comes up the middle. Cheltenham, he comes up the middle. He goes away from competition on these horses all the time. I think uh, they should be matched in together and let's dance. Uh, you see, Tom, if, 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 if you were sneaky, lads, now, you'd run him in a part-time qualifier of 142. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have I have harped on uh, at Paul Nichols about <laughs> handicaps. We don't win enough. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, no, he's not well handicapped enough. I said he is if we look after him. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, at the moment, it won't take much more than 142 to win the Albert Bartlett. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, God. It's, it's funny you say that. Like most years, we go into the Supreme Novice and the, or the, what's it called this year? I had a bit of a look. Bingham. 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 Yeah. Did you, any of you just look up to see where the name came from? No, <laughs> I, I, I struggled to pronounce it, Tom. Trivia Never mind. Your trivia for the day: it was a developer in 1892 bought the racecourse, and the first Cheltenham Festival was in 1902. Organized the first fellow, uh, and it, his name was Baron Bigham. That was Jesus, like, he said he was coming prepared with facts today. I didn't believe him until now. <laughs> bravo, Tom Malone. Bravo. Useless, useless bit of info. Listen, before we wrap up, has anyone got an un- a strong anti-post this week for sections? I'll give you one for a crack. Go on. Jesus Christ, hold on to your seats. Hold on, yeah. hold on. Settle down there, Carter. I was, I, was up, I was up for batting last week as well. <laughs> and possibly the week before, I can't remember. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but again, it's a similar one. It's a horse we've talked about, but I just haven't... Um, I haven't put them in the bag and we have had some some new information in uh, the last week. I'm talking about the stairs hurdle. Uh, we're no longer going to have Philem coming over, which is a pity. Would have been a real um yes. X would have been yeah. a real X Factor horse. Um and I, I I do I would have a lot of regard for Tia Poo that Tom mentioned earlier, but it's just one it's just it's a price play. Home by the least 33 to one. He shouldn't be 33 to one. And he's not gonna run between now and then. Um, so like I'm not saying rush out to the shops now or get online now because I don't think the price will go anywhere for the time being but I think it's one of those the closer we get um, people will look and they'll see Jesus or shouldn't be 33 to 1 um, he was only beaten 3 and 3 quarter lengths in the race last year after making a, a her- like a horrific mistake um, early on in the race and he, I know he was beaten twice this year but he just can't make the running lads he's a, he's a, he's a bit of a funny horse and um, he 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 needs like if if they ever created a four mile grade one hurdle, he'd never get beat. He stays all day, but 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 he just can't make the run, and like he, he ended up crawling around because he just won't gallop when he's in front. He needs something in front of him. Um, so he's going to go there. Joseph's going to freshen him up and send him there fresh, like he did last season. And um, he he won't run like a thirty three to one shot. I tell you that now. It might be asking a bit much for him to win, but it'd be one of those he could hit the frame, and it would not be a shock. If he did go very well, because he's um, on the best of his form, he, he's right in the mix with them. Uh, you know, high 150s, maybe 160 on his very best day. Okay. Tom, do you have one? Yes. Uh, lightning does not strike twice, but I'm standing out in the middle of the field and hoping I get struck because it's the same as last year. There's a horse running on Saturday at Sandown called Tishan in the bumper. And if he goes and does what I bought him in a point of point late in this uh, autumn, I've been doing this 15 years. Yeah, in anything like what this horse done in a point of point in the autumn ever, and I bought Unvoilen and Native River and all them horses out of point of points. I've never seen anything like this. If it's not a freak performance and a one hit wonder, he will be 
10 to 1 for the champion bumper after Saturday if he does what I think he's capable of. He's 25, 33s at the minute. And we'll see. Look, I'm there to be shot at with that statement now, but I hold him in high regard. He was, he's the talk of Ireland just before Christmas and what he achieved in his mm-hmm. point of point that day. He, he done on the clock, he was 18 seconds quicker than any other race on the car. That's opens anything. And he was with the field. And the 18 spike. seconds. Jesus Honestly, uh, <laughs> and listen, I, I know it was the right time because it was Richard Pugh's time. So you can take it as read that it was the right time. And this horse was with the field. He turned into the back straight and lock and more. He grabbed the bridle and Columbo's and all them, they just fell away by the wayside. He quickened after the last to win 41 lengths. I honestly, I and I could have sat back like everyone else thought, it's too good to be true. But if I seen that horse in someone else's colours under someone else's banner, I would kill myself. It would be all over. How could you? So we'll see. Uh, big, big boots to Philly as, but he's a very, very smart horse. Like it. Daryl, have you got one for us? No, I don't. But I'm going to get some money. I had the time to top that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if I did, I, I was get always, the best, yeah. I was always told, "You're going out in a blaze of glory. It's all duck or no dinner." <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that so much. And well, what a fantastic show! We did get through a lot of horses there. All the prices we gave you from the Betfair Sportsbook, as always, very important. Gamble responsibly. Daryl's decided not to have an antipose this week. That's what we promote. If you don't have a strong... Last is bottle, you... Natalie. Last is bottle. He's a splinter. <laughs> so that's what he always say to me. Splinter, splinter. No, no, no. We, we, we go one step further. It's a steak, not the splinter. <laughs> <laughs> no, gamble responsibly. Very, very important. And please don't forget to check out uh, Daryl Carter. Coaching Carter episode two goes live today. So make sure you check it out on Betfair Racing YouTube channel to see what Daryl's been up to. So gamble responsibly. Find the prize in Betfair Sportsbook. Tom, you've been an absolute joy. And um, thank you so much for all your insightful knowledge. And until next week, lads, have a lovely week. <laughs>